Praise the name of the Lord. Good to have all of you here. And um, this, um, we started talking about John, and we've uh, kind of gone through a couple chapters or so a night, and I know we've only hit the high parts of these chapters because there's so much that could be learned and studied and tried to kind of look at it a little bit from a historical and Jewish perspective. And um, so, um, for instance, trying to understand some of why John wrote possibly what he wrote. Um, not, not that um, the whole Bible is good for us, it's good for everybody. The Bible says that it's good for doctrine and for correction and for reproof. And uh, it is uh, a book that has application to everyone. I, I would say, um, you know, it's, we don't say, well, that's not for us. That part's not for us. This part's not for us. But um, to sort of understand what was... Uh, what they were thinking and what they were talking about and showing in the word of the Lord is, uh, can be uh, a little eye-opening. And so uh, here we are growing apostolic legacy and so we're in the gospel of John. John, this writer is no doubt uh, it's given credit for having written also 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. So he ends up having written about five books, this Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation. And, and, and a lot of people believe that this Gospel was one of the, we know it was probably one of the last Gospels written, but it was maybe even one of the last books that was written for the New Testament. And yet, John, um, from the very first chapter, from the very first verse, it is evident that he is um, building his book on the, on the structure, on the, uh, on the bones of the book of Genesis, on the bones of the Torah. Because he starts off, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that's how he began his book. And he continues to lay forth the claim that Jesus was the Christ. So we get a sense with some of the things that he writes, and we'll see those tonight in the sixth chapter. We saw them in the fifth chapter and the fourth chapter, uh, third chapter, but we'll get a sense that Jesus is really sort of writing, I mean, John is really sort of writing to three main groups of people, and the one being the Samaritans, which would have been the half-breeds, which would have been those maybe Gentiles, if you go back far enough, those that were taken by Assyria, and I showed you where uh, Assyria brought in people, and they embraced, and those people believed in the Torah, 
but they did not believe in the rest of their prophets. They also believed that you could worship in Mount Gerizim, not in Jerusalem. And John goes through that discussion with the woman at the well and uh, why that he sort of, he wraps that up with the Samaritans. And then uh, John also deals with those from what we would call the Galileans or the people of Galilee, which is up by the Sea of Galilee, which is still in the northern section. And they were considered uh, <coughs> the um, uh, sort of... Uh, the Galileans were not as, um, they were sort of the blue collar workers, if you will, of the Jews. They were sort of the, uh, they did a lot of farming and fishing and <clears throat> they were uh, the ones that where Nazareth was, they were near where he lived. And so uh, they would have been sort of the common folk of of. Uh, the Jews, but they were Jews, but they were from the northern ten tribes, and they were sort of the uh, not as uh, elite, if you will, as the Judeans, I mean, uh, as the Jews that lived down in uh, <coughs> around Jerusalem, that made up some of the councils made up some of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes. And so uh, John in particular, he really writes about Jesus's interaction with the Samaritans, with the Galileans, and then finally with those of Jerusalem or the, the elite, the Pharisees, the scribes. And he challenges all of them. So it's like John felt the need to prove who Jesus was to all of the Jews, to all of those that were in the land of Israel. So when we read the Gospel of John, we are looking at him writing some of this, and we see how um, in the sixth chapter it opens up, and we read this last week, the first few verses where uh, they ask him about bread. And they ask him about, you know, the people are hungry. So what are we going to do? And Jesus performs the miracle and he uh, takes the loaves and the fish and he feeds the 5,000 and he is up uh, in the northern part of, of Israel. And then uh, what happens is uh, about verse 16, Jesus uh, comes down after that miracle and gets in a, uh, and uh, he tells his disciples, uh, look, you go across uh, toward Capernaum. And Jesus said, I'm not coming. And so with you. And so the people watch as Jesus gets in a, uh, does not get in the boat, but the disciples get in the boat and they take off. And there are no other boats there. 
And so the people, uh, <clears throat> then of course a storm comes and, and that storm is, they see Jesus walking on the sea. Some of the other gospels tell a more detailed story of Simon Peter, uh, you know, saying, uh, if it's you, bid me come. John doesn't go into all of that. It's not that maybe that's not important, but he tells the miracle basically in the, the understanding that Jesus walked on the water and then boom, the boat immediately went to the land. And why that is important, he starts in the 22nd verse of the sixth chapter, is that, um, that next morning the people saw there was no other boat and so then they follow along to where the disciples were and you know more boats came and the word had been spread about how they ate bread and uh, after the Lord had given thanks and so people were the Galileans were were getting charged up this guy is feeding us and anybody that you know will feed us that's a great miracle wow how did that happen and I they went home that night maybe told neighbors and told folks hey this is the Messiah this is the prophet this is the one and so they came out and here was Jesus and so they ask him, uh, Rabbi. Now, they don't call him Messiah. They call him Rabbi, just basically teacher. In other words, even after this great miracle that they told their friends and family about and that people started following him, it wasn't enough for them to go Messiah or prophet even as the Samaritan woman had done when she had said, come meet the prophet. And uh, so Jesus said to them in the 26th verse of the sixth chapter, you've come to me not because you believe that, you, that I am the Messiah, but why did you come? Anybody? Because you got a sandwich. Fish and bread. You came to follow me because of the fish and bread. And basically, Jesus then tells them in the 27th verse, don't labor or work for the meat that perishes, but <clears throat> what I want you to do is labor for the meat which endures unto everlasting life which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Now, you know, and, and we know that to be true even 2,000 years later, there are people that come to church and they ask, well, what can the church, what can God, what can people do for me? They're not interested in a spiritual connection. It's what can it do for me? 
And I, you know, will you have that? Sure. Will there always be that? Yes. And it's not, uh, obviously, you know, we have, we know that. And you wonder sometimes when somebody comes in, I wonder if they really are interested in a spiritual change or if they're not. And what we know is that if you are not interested in a spiritual change, it's doubtful you will last. Sorry. I wish I could tell you that those people that just want something from, you know, and I know we all have uh, in our history, John F. Kennedy who said, don't ask what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for the country. And yet there will always be people in and around a church that will say, well, what's the church going to do for me? What's the church going to, how's it going to be a blessing to me? How's it, what's it going to do for me? Rather than what can I do to help be a blessing to even, uh, what can I receive more from God? And so they asked Jesus in the 28th verse, what shall we do that we might do the work the works of God. And here's what he said. You must believe on him whom God hath sent. And they basically said, what? What sign? Now they just had come there because he had fed them. They had just seen this great miracle. I mean, if, if we were there and you were seeing somebody who had no food and he just keeps breaking the bread and bread and it just keeps multiplying and multiplying, most of us would say, oh, I would believe. But somehow they respond with, give us a better sign than this. And then they qualify it by saying, our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus immediately turns the tables on them because what does he say? Moses didn't give you the bread. But where did that bread come from? From God. And what now, now that's an important leap because what he is saying is, Moses didn't give you manna. I don't have to give you manna because what am I? I am the bread. So I am now the literal, physical manifestation from God. Now that, that's kind of amazing because, you know, for them, they thought, well, a man gave us bread. And what Jesus was saying, a man didn't give you bread, but God gave you bread. Now, 
He was basically saying, man did not give me to you, but God has given me to you. And he said, the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and gives life unto the world. Now, they immediately say, Lord, we want this bread. Give us this physical manifestation of God. And guess what? Here he was. And it's very similar to what the Samaritan woman said when the Lord said, I can give you water. What did she say? Give it to me. Now these people said, give it to me. So Jesus said unto them, now he's very plain, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Another physical manifestation. I am bread, I am water. And then he drops the other shoe, and he said, but I said unto you that you have seen me and believe not. Now, you know, these words were spoken to the Jews, and not necessarily Protestants, of course, at that time. There was no Protestant movement at uh, 60, 70, 30, whatever year, 25, whatever year this was that Jesus was talking to those Galileans. But what he was basically saying is that you can have more than just simply the covenant relationship with God. I am here to satisfy everything that you need. And so it's kind of, Amazing because when they know, knew why the Lord gave them manna, because they knew Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they knew the Torah. And in Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, it tells us, he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers knew, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. That's why when John said, he could easily say that Jesus said, I am the bread. Why? Because he was in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus himself quoted this verse to the devil when he was tempting him. Man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And so basically Jesus unequivocally proved to the Jews who he was through the word of the Lord. And he goes on the sixth chapter uh, 
And he says, for I came down not from heaven to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is my father's will, which hath sent me, that all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but raise it again in the third day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last days. And the Jews said, We believe, stay with us. What did the Jews say? Why, why does he think he can say he's the bread? Who's, who's he think he is saying he's the bread? How arrogant that he came from heaven? That, that's just ridiculous. We know who his dad is. We know Joseph and we know his mother. And now he's saying, I came down from heaven? These were Galileans. They knew where he grew up. They saw him. They were like, uh-uh, no way. No way. He's not, the, he's not the guy. This is not the Messiah. So, you know, what John said earlier, he came into his own and his own received him not, is so very true because Jesus was doing everything within his power and authority to prove to them and in fact, then he sort of reads their mail. Now, I don't know if you've ever had that happen, but I, I've, I've had it where, you know, somebody come and speak and, and all of a sudden it's like what I've been talking about in private or what I've said or what I've questioned and boom, they read my mail. Huh? And you go, oh, wow. Man, you know, and I've been accused. Hey, you got a microphone in our car? And, you know, I promise, not me. You know, I'm just saying what's coming here and going out there. And, you know, I'm not God's Bureau of Investigation. And I, I think it's always funny because people will think, I know why he said that. I know who he was talking about. Like, wow, you know more than I do. But they basically said, verse 42, why is he saying that? And Jesus answered and said unto them, murmur not amongst yourselves. That should have been another sign. Anybody that can read your mail? Huh? I know what y'all are saying in secret. Which is always comical to me because I've had people say, not here, but I've had people say, whatever you do, don't tell the pastor. And I'm like, I, I don't think it's me that you gotta worry about. So here in this sixth chapter, Jesus then says, No man can come to me except the Father which I hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
And, and the big fight was he shouldn't call himself the bread of life. Here he's talking about resurrecting people from the dead and all kinds of things. I mean, you know, you would have thought they would have had more problem with the fact that you think you can raise us from the dead, but they had problem with this whole bread of life thing. And this murmuring, of course, Moses addressed it because if you read in Numbers, numerous passages where they murmured, and, you know, he tells the children, you murmured in your tents because you said the Lord hate us, brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us in the Amorites, to the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. And so murmuring is one of those things, and Jesus immediately calls it out. And then Jesus says to them, Truly, verse 47, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me shall have everlasting life. And then he slams it again directly, that ego me, I am the voice of God. I am the bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna, and they're dead. But this bread, if you come down, you will not die. That's a whole new concept. Then he said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And the Jews got angry and said, this man is wanting to practice cannibalism. They could not see the spiritual significance of him being the bread of life. So since they are into stupidity, Jesus takes it one step further and he says, except you eat the flesh of the Son of God and drink his blood. Oh, oh, oh. What is the one thing the Jews cannot partake of? Blood. Even to this day, they have Jewish butchers that, that make sure it's butchered in a kosher way because you can't eat animals that haven't had their throat cut and the blood drained. And, huh? You read it in Leviticus, you read it in Numbers, you, read it, you do not eat flesh that has the blood. And now Jesus is just in their face saying, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he says, whosoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood hath eternal life and I will raise him at the last day. For my flesh is meat and my blood is drink. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. At this point, even his disciples were like, he has lost it now. Because we know the Torah teaches you can't drink blood. 
And they basically said to him, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? And Jesus reads the disciples' mail and basically says, does this offend you? And what would have been the answer? Yes. Yes. Because as I, I put one of the verses there, you can read it, several of the verses in Leviticus 17, there's other references. But it, they know you shall not eat the blood. Then he closes out this, starts working on the end of this chapter by quoting Jesus said, what and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. That goes back to Daniel and I, I read it to you earlier when we were talking where Daniel says the Son of Man is going to come from God and then go back to God. And then Jesus said, it's the spirit that quickens, the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak unto you are spirit and life. But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not. And that was the one that was going to betray him. And he says, it's Judas that was not, was going to betray him. Brother Mick, is he all right? Uh, some of the ushers, come here, Brother Mick. Tell Buck to get him a, do we need a chair or something? Lord, let's pray right now. Lord, bless Brother Mick. You are able, Lord, to touch his body in the name that is above every name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Uh, Brother Jeff, get with that wheelchair that's somewhere there. We'll bring it up for Brother Mick. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Oh Lord. Someone, Jeff, or someone back there called the squad. Let's pray again. Lord Jesus, right now, you see, you are the great physician, the name that is above every name, Lord. We know, Lord, that you are on the throne. We know, Lord, you're the great physician. You're able to heal. Jesus in your name. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. 
Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.